Blog Talk Radio. Peace, family. Thank you for joining us for episode eight of It's That Easy with Nicole Carter and Nikki Builder. As usual, before we jump in, I'm going to give you all the rundown um, with announcements for the week. Be sure that you stroll on over to myastrologycoach.com or, excuse me, and or theimaginationguru.com for information about upcoming events and activities with the priesthood. Um, Some of those events include um, the Quantum Scriptures class that's happening at 12 noon on Sundays, as well as the upcoming Fall Equinox slash um, Positron Past Weekend with the priesthood in Jacksonville, Florida. That's happening September 23rd through the 25th. Um, So like I said, if you want to get more details about the events that I just mentioned or other events and activities and classes with the priesthood, stroll on over to myastrologycoach.com and or theimaginationguru.com for further details. So, gosh, we are already at Episode 8 of Is That Easy I, I swear it just It seems like we just started this show um, And so I don't I don't know if Nicole wants me to share But I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there um, Next week is going To be our last show For the season And then we will take A break I think for about Four weeks if I'm not mistaken I will confirm that with you all next week um, But we'll take a We'll take a short break and start up with a second season of It's That Easy with all new topics and um, some fun developments for you all. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been following the show, whether you've been joining us live on the telephone line or if you've been listening in from um, the radio link or listening to the archives. It doesn't matter. We appreciate you um, and we love everyone's support. On that note, before I jump into today's into today's topic, um, and I promise, I, you know, I if if y'all haven't figured it out by now, I can be a little long-winded, and I have a hell of a way of telling stories. Um, but I just want to share some feedback that we got recently that I think will, I hope, will lead me into today's uh, discussion topic, and that will also give me a little time before my co-host jump on the line. Uh oh, there she is. Hey, Coley Cole. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, happy Friday. How are you? Thank you. Happy Friday to you as well. Thank you. So um, I, I gave the announcements, and I was I was going to share that I've, I've recently been getting some feedback um, over the past week um, from friends of mine, personal friends who've been listening in to the show and, um, you know, just updating everybody. You know, I can't believe it. We are eight weeks into the show. We are on our eighth episode, which is kind of unbelievable to me because it feels like we just started. Um, but um, I, I wanted to speak a little bit to the feedback. And again, um, if you haven't heard Nicole and I say it before, we love feedback, um, whether folks are, you know, emailing us comments or questions, any type of feedback that folks have, we are um, 
receptive to, open to. We love to see it. So um, thank you to the folks who've, who've already done so. I had a couple personal friends reach out to me like, oh, I've li- been listening to the show. And um, I, I got – Personally, I got some some good feedback, and personally, I also got a little bit of negative feedback. Um, one from a friend who um, didn't like that I had mentioned in the show something that he and I had talked about. Um, you know, he kind of kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, I I didn't appreciate you kind of putting me. He felt like I put him in a bad light on the show. And, you know, we were able to talk through it and, you know, just share perspectives on it. And what occurred to me as I was listening to this and and listening to my friend speak to me about it, um, I was really appreciative of him feeling comfortable enough or comfortable with me enough that he felt like, you know, I can come to Nikki with, you know, some feedback, whether it's, you know, even if it's a little negative and we're going to be able to talk through it and she's not going to, you know, end our friendship. It's not going to be the end of the world. And I saw within that a level of growth within myself. Um, And so we and I asked my friend before I I started running my mouth today. Well, can I can I talk about this? You know, can I talk about this part on the show just to kind of kind of wrap it up? Um, and and I've spoken positively of my friend. Um, and I also do a YouTube channel, so I think he was speaking more to some, something I had said on my YouTube channel. And in my mind, I was like, well, I've spoken positively. I thought I was speaking positively of you then, but I didn't mention his name. So I'm like, why does it matter to you? I didn't even mention your name. I was really just using it as an example. And 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 he admitted later in the conversation that he personally been going through some things and was feeling a little sensitive. So then to hear, you know, to jump onto the show and and you know wanting to listen to you know some positive vibes and some of upliftment. <laughs> and then here I come, like, oh, and I have a friend who blah 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I I get that. My my intention though was not bad. I, I would never, as a friend, attack you, and, and never for a moment did I do it in, you know, a mean or deceitful way. You know, I, I wasn't trying to attack you in that. I literally just was in the moment of talking about the show, and that example popped up in my mind. I said what I said. I didn't think that there was any harm in it, especially because I didn't mention your name. But at the same time, I could also respect where he was coming from, feeling like, you know, I can't – I went to your show to listen and get some positive, some upliftment from you, and then you, you know, you said something about me that I felt was negative, or you, you reflected on a negative aspect of my life. Um, so I was just happy that we were able to, you know, talk it out and get an understanding of where each other was mentally, because you know we live in the world of illusions, and this is the part that's going to lead me into today's topic. I was like, I don't know if this is off topic or whatever, but we live in the world of illusions. So sometimes things can happen right in front of our eyes and appear one way, and in reality what we saw was not the complete and total truth. So that that all comes from a matter of perspective and, you know, four people can be standing on four different corners watching an accident happen and everybody has a different opinion about or a slightly different opinion about what happened. So it's talking about perspective. So I think it's so wonderful to be open enough and and I had to thank myself to a certain extent and thank my friend as well for that I'm in a place where I could receive 
feedback that may not necessarily have been the best of feedback. In addition to that, I've also been getting some wonderful feedback about the show from other friends. Um, one friend of mine, he was like, can, can y'all just give us some more, you know, specific um examples of what you're talking about and I'm I'm like yeah absolutely I'll I'll try my best to you know give some more detail in what it is that I'm saying or or better examples because you know from his perspective um, my friend was saying that you know he felt like you know we were we're we're sharing good information but sometimes he's not completely sure you know, what it is that we're talking about. And I think Nicole and I like to leave space for people to have their own interpretations about things, and we and we both feel like I think we're not here to tell people how to do this, this thing, but we're just here to kind of share our own stories and give our examples. So I'm going to try myself to, you know, tread that line a little bit better, hopefully. Um, and so the, the concept of illusion and the topic of illusion, I think, kind of leads us into our topic for today. So we're at episode eight of It's That Easy Already, and today we're discussing beauty in the 21st century. Questions to be examined will include what is beauty and why is it so valuable? Is there an added pressure to be beautiful or even perfect in the 21st century? And what is the place of beauty in the greater scheme in, in, in talking about, you know, our physical reality um, combined with our spiritual reality? What's, what's the place of beauty in the greater scheme? Um, and um, is beauty actually as valuable as society would suggest? So let's jump into it. You ready, Goldie Gold? <laughs> I, am, I am ready because you're ready, so let's do it. <laughs> you so know, let's, I just let's... want to say briefly, wait, wait, I just want to say briefly about your friend um, because I just love it. Like, you know, if I don't say your name, then how does it impact you? <laughs> right? <laughs> but I love, and what I also love is what you said, just because you say some really great things and I have to stop and be like, that was so cool. When you talked about the four corners, so if, if people are standing on four corners and we see this accident happen, it's not, if, in addition to what you're saying, it's about um, opinions. It's really just my view. Mm-hmm. It's not even like an opinion. It's just my view. This, I only, I'm, I'm standing on the south corner, and from the south I can only see it from the south. From the north, you can only see it from the north. So then you have your friend who's like, yo, I was already going through some stuff standing on the south corner, right? <laughs> and, you know, then I turn on your show and I get more of the south corner, you know, but you're on the <laughs> north side going like, hey, it's cool over here. And so it's just kind of interesting <laughs> to me that, you know, I'm, and I'm so glad y'all had to talk. It's probably listening now, but I, I, it's just such a good reminder for me that you can't look for upliftment out there because you're not going to find it. If you're already feeling negative or you're feeling down, you can try to go look for upliftment out there, but isn't that funny that the very thing you go to look to uplift you disappoints you because you're already in the frequency of kind of down. Like the best thing to do is just like in that moment, just be like, yo, you know, just, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's just a dicey thing when you're, and I love that we're talking about illusions because we're talking about beauty. And I think oftentimes beauty is something perceived to be out there. We're going to be talking about hair, makeup, and things of those natures. But those are things that are not on the inside. So 
So I love how you opened up and it totally relates because for me, it's kind of like, well, if you're already, you know, at 68 degrees, like we talked about last week, if you're already at 68 degrees, you can't look at somebody to warm you up. It doesn't work that way. Like you have to bring yourself up to the desired degree that you want to be. So I just think it's interesting and such a good reminder of uh, this illusion of, uh, Something out there is going to be beautiful to distract me from whatever I have going on on the inside. So, so I'm going to follow wow. you. Let's jump in it. Let's go. Okay. So I, I wanted to kind of start off with some statistics about the beauty industry just because we've already kind of been touching a little bit on this concept of illusion as it pertains to beauty. And then from there I want to jump into maybe a little bit of um, qualifying or defining what beauty is for the conversation. So, man, I'm looking at – I was looking at some statistics for around the beauty industry um, – earlier this week. And, I mean, the the statistics are staggering. I knew that the beauty industry was a a very um, wealthy industry, but I had no idea. More than 60, this industry is worth more than $60 billion. So when we say Mm -hmm. the beauty industry, the beauty, um, the global beauty industry is broken down into six main uh, categories, um, and, and they're they're loosely defined as basically cosmetics. So those include skincare, which is the biggest of the six categories: hair care, makeup, perfumes, toiletries, um, oral cosmetics. And so this this particular uh, um, aspect of the beauty industry doesn't even include statistics for the plastic surgery industry. Um, and looking at some of the information surrounding those statistics, I found that over the past uh, 10 years, the the industry itself almost doubles every single year more than the previous wow. year, if that makes sense. And so I said to myself, my God, that when when you look at these rates and see how, I mean, Doubling an entire industry every single year, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. And so I said mm-hmm. to myself, you know what? What what what's so responsible for that? And one of the biggest things that came to mind for me was reality T V and the advent of social media. And I wanna dig further into that later in the show, so I'm gonna kinda put a little post it right there and say, Let's make sure we come back to this concept of reality television and social media because these things if you look at the statistics and the timing for these things, it's very obvious that these things have had a really big impact on our standards for beauty in the U.S., the U.S. being the largest market in the world for um, this particular industry. Um, So it's very clear that these things um, have been, you know, highly influential as far as what our standards of beauty are as well as, you know, how much money we're spending annually in the U.S. on feeling beautiful on the outside. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about you know what what is beauty. I'm sitting back to think, thinking to myself, you know, when I was thinking about the show, and I hit Nicole earlier in the week, like, oh, let's do um, too cute, because Nicole had mentioned being too cute, and I was like, oh, that's that's the topic for the show, because we kind of had like some loose 
ideas for what we wanted to talk about, but the show itself hadn't really, you know, defined itself and said, here's the topic for it. And when Nicole said, too cute, I was like, that's it. That's the name of the show. So we're talking about too cute beauty in the 21st century. When I think about beauty, I really think about it in sort of three different categories. Um, there's physical beauty, and I think physical beauty itself is broken down into three more sub um, set, excuse me subcategories that I really want to talk about. So we're talking about a, a, a facial beauty, an aesthetic beauty, if you will. You know, there's also body beauty, right? And if you listen to a lot of hip hop records, there's there's a there's this simultaneously um, encouraging, um, appreciative perspective of, you know, beauty, female beauty, um, at the same time that it has this very incredible way of also um, objectifying beauty at the same time. So it, I think hip-hop is a really great illustration of the extremes of how beauty can be perceived. But hip-hop will get real, real for you and, and tell you about the differences, you know, in its many different ways, you know, that it's uh, it's able to do that, to talk about the differences in, in the way that our society views beauty. So we, we view beauty from the perspective of, you know, she's, she's pretty, she's facially beautiful versus you know she got body right or mm -hmm. she can mm -hmm. have both and and beauty doesn't apply only to women but nicole and i are women so we're really talking about it about beauty from the perspective of women um another one that i want to only touch on lightly is is there is an aspect of beauty that is directly linked to skin color, and I think it's important to touch on that today. Um, there's also an aspect of beauty that's material. Um, and then I look at beauty from the third category of spiritual beauty. So ultimately, I think when I'm talking about beauty, I'm talking about a level of attractiveness. Beauty is that thing that sort of says, come and look at me or be drawn to me, but it can exist on you know, for me, three different levels. How you feel about that, Coley Cole? I'm on point. I love it. <laughs> so, and I wrote it so all down. I, think, I wrote the note. <laughs> we'll go okay, back to social okay. media. And and I'm, I'm getting I got, to see it. You rubbing off on me. I'm starting to write it. notes, too. <laughs> Um, and so when I think about the these three different categories of beauty, the first two, physical beauty and material beauty, are those those two forms of beauty are really the lower levels of beauty, right? And and I've been doing a lot of studying, looking at the tree of life, looking at the hermetic laws, and so I, I was like, oh, these two forms of beauty exist on this physical plane that we live on, the earth called. And, and when you look at the tree of life in Kabbalah, it talks about Malkuth, which is the, the physical manifestation. Spiritual beauty, however, I think is removed from this world. And, and, and hopefully by the end of the show, and I know by the end of the show, Nicole is going to pull us into spiritual beauty. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that that's where we end up um, for the show. But I, I wanted to dig into, you know, the, the the physical aspects of beauty and how they – how they influence us, right? I think 
one big aspect of beauty is that of perception, right? Beauty says a lot about how others see us, and then that translates into how we as individuals see the world. But I think the reverse mm-hmm. of that is that from the quantum the quantum perspective is actually reversed, right? Quantum says that beauty translates how we see the world and then how others see us. So we're really going to be dealing with almost if you, two, two contradictions to a certain extent if you think about viewing beauty from, like Nicole said, look, you know, looking on the outside versus looking at beauty from an, an inside perspective. You know, we always hear in our society beauty is in the eye of the beholder which would suggest that it's, it's it's really an inner thing, right? Because, you know, one of the arguments that I saw, and, and, and people can be so petty, um, when the whole Jesse Williams thing went down and he did his speech on the BET Awards, and, and I'm nosy and, and curious, so I look at the comments because I, I think what people are saying and talking about beneath the surface is a real good indicator for where people's minds are. You know, what what perspective are people thinking about and viewing things from? And some of the comments that I saw at the same time that that, that whole thing was happening and we were seeing a lot of memes about Jesse Williams on um, social media, and Jesse Williams, you know, is, you know, considered to be beautiful, you know, that was one of the big conversations was, you know, does he have the right to talk about what he's saying because of his, you know, due to his skin color? Should should we allow him to say what he's saying? But there was a lot of conversation at the same time that Jesse Williams has a certain um, level of acceptance in our society that allowed him the platform to say the things that he said, and we can say that that platform is motivated by skin color. We can say that it's motiv- motivated by beauty because he was on um, Grey's Anatomy, and he was like, you know, one of the, you know, crushes that everybody had mm-hmm. on the show. So some of the comments that I saw while this thing was happening, we were seeing a lot of memes where you saw Jesse Williams with his wife. And I saw women attacking his wife and saying, you know, how could he be married to, you know, her? She's so average. She's not that good looking. He's way more beautiful than she is. And and that really kind of stopped me in my tracks for a moment because I'm like, damn, how is it that these powerful words, this powerful message that this brother delivered is so heavily overshadowed by such petty conversations? So is, is he too cute? You too cute to deliver something like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's what we're talking about because beauty exactly. talks about how others see us as well as it talks about how we see the world. And I saw the whole Jesse Williams thing. I, I saw it from a, a few different perspectives because I can relate to that. I can relate to being the, you know, Okay, if we're going to put stuff on the table, we we transparent, right, Coley Cole? And I was That's I was it, having so a little I bit of trouble back. about having this conversation today because I'm back. like, well, what qualifies me to have this conversation? So I'm going to just throw it on the table, and it's going to be what it's going to be. I grew up in West Oakland. West Oakland is the hood of hoods, okay? So when we're talking about – you know, poverty and, 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 and class, West Oakland 
is the epitome of hood in the greater conversation of Oakland. So you, I remember being a, a kid and, and switching schools, and we, and my, my sister and I went to school in East Oakland for a little while. Now, East Oakland is a little bit more of a mixture class-wise because you still got kids from the hood, you know, who live in the flatlands that go to these, these public schools, as well as you got kids from more affluent neighborhoods like Grass Valley who also go to these same public schools. So the mixture is a little bit different. But I knew for sure one thing that you couldn't say at these schools in East Oakland was that you were from or ever lived in West Oakland. That was something I knew to be very quiet about when we moved mm. to East Oakland because West Oakland is considered to be the hood, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, that had an influence on my life being light-skinned in West Oakland and also being somewhat, you know, at least a little bit cute. Growing up in West Oakland, there are certain rules about being those things and growing up in West Oakland. So I could totally relate to this whole drama that people were putting on Jesse Williams around him being light-skinned and and him being, you know, good-looking. You know, a lot of people were jealous that Jesse Williams could say the things that he did, and they felt like, his ability to say so came from the way that he looked. Mm-hmm. And I can I, not only can I relate to that, I thought about that very deeply over the years. And 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 I my 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 partner's family is very dark-skinned people. And mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where my mother is brown-skinned and she has a sister who's a little darker than her, but for the most part, everybody is like kind of light, lightish brown skin in this part of my family mm-hmm. versus my father's side of the family. Everybody on that side of my family is light skinned. And mm-hmm. as well as, you know, I remember my father moving to the suburbs when I was young and conversations at that time when I'm eight years old coming up about class. You know, black folks have this tendency, I've noticed, within our own communities, we we so often feel defeated by the outside world. But the reality is much of that confusion, conflict, defeat is happening from the inside. We've separated ourselves by class. We've allowed ourselves to be separated by, by skin color, right? And I've mm-hmm. spoken before on the show about recognizing this, this dichotomy between myself and my daughter who looks at me mm-hmm. and she thinks I'm white, mm-hmm. right? And, and my daughter mm-hmm. is, 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 is deep brown-skinned. And so mm-hmm. seeing these, these conversations happening, happening in the world and being, a, being older now where I can sort of ob- observe and understand better these conversations that are happening – a lot of this color conversation is is very interesting to me, but at the same time also very saddening to me because mm-hmm. it, it, it's allowed us this sense of, this furthered sense of defeat that says, yeah, we come from the same family, we, we're, we're the same people, but you, you're, you're not the same as me because your hair is too light, your eyes are too light, you're, you're different than me. And it, it, it breathes to a certain extent a sense of jealousy in our communities that says this person 
because of what society has told me, this person is more beautiful than me. And it, it sets yeah. up a really secret sense of jealousy that we all end up reenacting in this daily play and drama that we play out called our daily lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the conversation with, with Jesse Williams I thought was, was really interesting and it really highlighted how deeply embedded, you know, these conversations and perceptions about beauty are in our society, these conversations and perceptions about skin color. This stuff is, is very deeply rooted and, and it, it really illustrated for me the necessity for healing that. We've we've gotta heal this this brokenness that we have around, you know, whether we want to call it post-traumatic slave syndrome, we want, whatever it is that we want to call it, however it is that we identify it, it, it screams to me that there is very much a need to heal that. It does, and as, as I'm listening to you and sensing with the passion, and you, know, you, you and I both have uh, daughters that are at that age of asking questions and making observations, um, you know, I, what I got from, along with um, what you got from the Jesse Williams is that, you, you know, I think what happens is when somebody doesn't, when somebody goes beyond what is expected of, of the norm. So when somebody like Jesse Williams, and I, when I say like, I mean physically. When someone physically like Jesse Williams is speaking with such passion and speaking from experience and speaking from because I'm in this and I've done my homework and, and, and expresses a love for black people, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. What happens is people, people have to become aware of what's going on inside of them and they don't know what to do with that. Right. Because something clicks inside of them, something clicks inside of them that this guy can say these things and, and then they start to feel uncomfortable. So then it's let's take shots at his wife. Let's take shots that he's too light. He's too green eyes. He's too uh, dreamy, McSteamy, whatever. That <laughs> right. I was just trying to use. think of what. Yeah. I couldn't think of, I, I'm like, what do they call it? I don't watch the show, but I know I just remember yeah, like dreamy, something about dreamy. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what it is. You know what it is, but um, you know, I, for me, and I, just because I don't know, probably because I'm 39 and I'm at a place where I'm looking at 40. So when I look at me, me, I, I and I look on the outside because I spent years. I grew, I grew up in Manteca, which is out in the Central Valley, and I was like one of five to ten black kids, and. Cole had long hair, and Cole was light skin. So you know who didn't like Cole, right? Every mm-hmm. other black girl there. All, I mean, all um, the other nine black kids. <laughs> all the other nine black kids, right? I'm coming in freshman year, and the senior wants to beat me up. I'm like, yo. <laughs> like, what's up? I'm a freshman, which means I'm like 14. You're 18 years old, and you want to whoop me up. Like, like you know, so – you know, you go through that, and, you know, I'm looking at my family who say, hey, look, there's not many of you out here. You need to figure a way to get along. Don't be talking about people out there. You know, all these rules, right? Like, if there's a problem, you know, you need to work it out. Um, you know, my friend in fifth grade, she was dark. I was light. 
our mothers came to get my aunt and her mother came together and said, you will be friends. We didn't have a choice. Mm. We live right down the street from each other, and they said, you will not act like you don't know each other. You will be friends, and you will squash everything in this house. But that was two women because her mother was dark, my aunt was light, who had gone through it and were, you know, who sat us down and showed us. So that's what I grew up with, but it didn't make it easy. It didn't make it easy to deal with, you know, and we being all the way transparent, so I'm going to be transparent. You know, I'm like middle-class suburbia. And we got stocked in hood <laughs> girls coming to the high school who want to beat me up. So then that was my impression. Like, these hood, why they, why they messing with me? <laughs> you know. So, you know, it does. It, it, and now we have babies, right? Now we have a three-year-old and five-year-old. And we see how precious they are. And we see them, now that we are so close to them, we know that they're not thinking about color, like zero to whatever. Right. And then when they do start to color like for me what blew my mind which I mean on some level hurt me was that whole frozen episode that happened across the world that's frozen in Elsa and my daughter was just so enamored with it and I'm like okay okay Nicole keep it age appropriate Elsa has white skin and she sings and she's got powers and that's what she's enamored with but I'm like how do I make sure that she understands she has powers and that it's not the white skin that is giving Elsa these powers. So, you know, you got to start getting creative. You have to start finding the books. You have to start having yep. the talks. When your daughter does something, you have to go, oh, look, you just used your power. Look at you. Right. No, Mom, Basically. I didn't see nothing come out of my hand. No, you didn't see anything come out of your hand. But, you know, like my daughter, we'll play the game, pick a song, and I'll put on the radio, and that song will pop up. And she'll go, Mom, I did it. I said, you did it. You you yeah. have power. And that, that's yeah. not because of white skin <laughs> or right. light skin. <laughs> right. You know, come on. Me and it, my it cousin, we're we like, you're going to have some problems. You're going to have some problems. <laughs> you're going to have yeah. some problems, baby girl. But then <laughs> if you're light, like Angela Davis, how black do you have to be? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> sure. Like, you know, I'm, I have Filipino in me. And my dad, my dad is beautiful brown. And, you know, I went through some hair things. I had locks. I had a fro. I did this. I did that. Just recently, my dad saw a picture of me, and, you know, I'm doing my curly thing, and my dad said, my dad called me. He said, do not cut your hair. Now I'm 39 years old. My dad said, uh-huh. do not cut your hair anymore. Uh, I said, oh, you okay, dad. Say 39? <laughs> he said, yeah, he said uh, you know, Nicole, we love you, but you're mixed. It is what it is, baby. <laughs> I'm 39 years old. He said, if I get it, you over here, you got your fist up, you doing, you locking it up, you going natural. But baby, baby, you mixed. So you got to roll. You got to roll with the Filipino stuff that makes your hair do that thing it does. <laughs> I mean, at 39 years old, I felt so free. I mean, at 39. At 39, I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is me. This is my hair. Instead of calling it black people hair, I try to teach my daughter, this is your hair. This is mm. curly hair. Black and not to up. disconnect herself from it, right? No. This is your, this is how you were made. But when you start taking the you, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, not the E-Y-E. It's in the eye. Of the beholder, I have curly hair. I like myself. It is not the two. I I just want everybody to be clear. Nicole is saying beauty is in the 
I as in self of the beholder. That's powerful, Nicole. Because it's it, it's pretty to me. If my daughter looks at a shirt and she says, I like that, that's her beauty. It's not what mom sees with her two eyes. Oh, I don't, that's not for you. It's my daughter in her eye. Remember we talked about the, the me first and we transitioned to the eye. It's, it's all a continuum. There is no it is versus what you want. There is no, you know, this, her versus me, hood versus suburban. If you remove the verses, you will see, like you have always said, Nikki, it's a phase. It's a degree. It's a scale. It's a spectrum. There is no verses. It's all, it's like my dad said, chicken or egg. It's just varying degrees of manifestation. That's all it is. It's, it's an egg and then it's a chicken. But is there a difference between the two? It's just varying degrees of manifestation. And what happens is the collective wants you all in the same place. Jesse Williams is cute, girl. He got them green eyes. Girl, he's fine. He don't need to be talking about all that conscious rhetoric. Right, don't like that. right. Like, like that, that doesn't fit the mold. Look at Nikki. Nikki, Nikki, you know, girl, you in West Oakland. You got to play down that you cute. You got to play down that you that because you know what that makes us feel? It makes us feel like you have some awareness that you will be picked over me. You see? Mm-hmm. So I can't I need Nikki to 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 come down to a sixty watt because she's on a two hundred <laughs> watt and I that makes me feel really bad. And I get it, like you're saying, you know, um, and that, that, we talk about the reality TV and we see these girls, and I'm telling you just today, it's always in preparation for the show, I, I saw a commercial, it, it was the real kids of Atlanta Housewives, it was the it was little girls oh. acting like the characters, on the, one, I mean, it hurt me. It hurt me, Nikki. It hurt me, even though it's funny. And it hurt me because one girl was sitting with her glass, a glass, she had some Kool-Aid in it. One girl was tossing her wig. It was just, but it was all these women fighting each other. It was all the women fighting each other. Nobody's saying, sister, I really love what you just spoke. Sister, I really love, like you just said, did everybody get that? Because I got it. You know, but when we don't do that for each other, white, light, dark, purple, blue, you know, where it's this beauty of illusion because we all want to get in that spot and we think there's only three spots. So I've got to beat you up because I'm trying to get in that that spot and there's only three, you know, there's only three. And so how do we, like you say, how do we, in our daily rhetoric, in our daily awareness, how do we allow them to have their own eye in get them away from these two eyes and other people's eyes and, and the, what the boy says I think is fine. How do we help these girls get back to their own eye? I think that's beautiful. I like this picture. This is speaking to me. I love the color blue. How do we honor that eye? Right. And it's hard. It's hard when you got, what did you say? It's two times. Two to, every, you're not saying it's doubling over. You're saying every year it's doubling. Every year it's doubling from what it did the year before. That's insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I and, and, and to speak a little to what you say, you know, how do we get them from – because ultimately what we're talking about is the illusion exists in the two physical eyes. 
and it is the singular eye. It is the it is the the third eye, as some of us like to call it. Some people like to call it the first eye. But it, we're, it, in in beauty, we're talking about an ability to to perceive divinely. Divine perception is really the conversation. I, I, I made a I, I made a statement earlier on um, social media today, and I, I have a practice every week. I buy flowers for myself and Dolly, and I'll buy a couple bouquets and split them up and put them in vases just because Dolly and I like flowers and it makes us happy. And what I said on social media was just that. I, I, I treat us every week to flowers because they make us happy. And I'm clear about the fact that when I honor and value myself, I give other people the permission to do the same. So many of us come from a perspective of expecting things from the outside. You know, I want my husband to bring me to send me flowers every week. I want my boyfriend to give me flowers every week, and that's what's going to make me happy. We have Mm -hmm. this this dependency on the outside making us happy, and 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 by and for me that practice was my defiance, and and me very. Being very willing to stand in ownership of none of these things that I desire exist outside of me. I can I can mm-hmm. give myself if flowers make me happy. I can give myself flowers every week, and and there's a difference between I'm giving myself flowers in spite of oh this nigga didn't send me flowers this week. Ain't nobody thinking about me. Mm-hmm. Ain't don't nobody care mm-hmm. about me. There's a difference between saying that and saying I'm willing to do it for myself. And if somebody mm-hmm. else sends me another batch of flowers this week, that's just the icing on top. And 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 I'm thankful and appreciative of of that as well. But it's but mm-hmm. there's a big difference between saying I'm I'm I I, I can do it for myself because ain't nobody I don't else need anybody. Do it. Mm-hmm. I don't need nobody. There's a big difference mm-hmm. between those two. Um. And so I ultimately I, I I I think that's what it is. It's it's about an inner confidence. It's about an inner confirmation that says I'm beautiful. And and Nicole, when you were talking about your daughter, I am totally there with you and totally relating with you because and 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 I I do think children notice color. It's the mm-hmm. race side of the conversation that they're they're not thinking about, they're not concerned about, they don't learn about it until we teach it Correct. to them. But they absolutely notice differences in color. I, that is very clear yeah. to me. Just I'm learning that from my daughter. And so for me, I, I, I can remember being the friend as a child because my sister and I were very shy and, and you know, whoever came to make friends with us, that's who our friends was going to be because we didn't really, we were twins. We didn't really have to learn how to make friends. And and I I want to talk to the beauty thing as well because I I don't want people to take this show as you know uh, Nicole and I you know beating up you know cut, getting back at the people who wanted to beat us up in high school or beat us mm-hmm. up in school because mm-hmm. we were too cute because too cute you you can be sometimes too cute for other people but sometimes you can also be too cute for yourself because it does set, it it can set up that other extreme of 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 self uh, of of being too important for yourself it it can delude mm-hmm. you into believing some things about yourself that are just a little too mm-hmm. grand will okay so i i want to be yeah. real clear about that and i can remember being the kid in school you know we would act 
we we had a friend in fourth grade, and I hope she don't hear the show and be mad at me for telling her story. Don't say her name. I'm not gonna say <laughs> no name. Friend in fourth grade. <laughs> and this this friend, I remember this sister. She was very dark skinned. I mean, she her skin was the epitome of of ebony skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, this sister was almost pitch black, but her skin mm-hmm. was so smooth and I I thought she I thought her I thought she was beautiful as a child, right? Mm-hmm. But I remember right. this friend and eventually learning and especially in retrospect looking back on her story, I realized that I had some friends as a child who were dark skinned women who society told them that they were not beautiful. Yeah. So they befriended my sister and I in order to participate in, oh, these girls are cute. Let me get me some cute friends. And I remember cute girls used to oh. tell us in school, you're not allowed, y'all too cute for her. Why y'all friends with her? They used to ask us stuff like this. And and, and because I didn't, my, my mom didn't have a lot of friends as a child, so it wasn't until I became an adult and recently over the past few years that I learned the rules around how to be friends with girls. But, you know, mm-hmm. I remember girls coming and saying these types of things to us, and we would be like, what are you talking about? But apparently there are rules around beauty, so let's be clear about that. Mm-hmm. But back to my mm-hmm. friend in the fourth grade, this sister was very, very dark-skinned. And I remember she told us that she used to take a bath in bleach mm-hmm. with the hope of lightening her skin, literal literal bleach with the hope right. of lightening her skin. And I can think of other friends that I've had throughout my, my, my school career who, in some subconscious way, they hated themselves. And they, and they, yeah. and they, they, they wanted to be friends with girls who had light skin or girls who were considered yeah. to be cute because in some way it was thought that that would rub off. But, again, it's, 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 the fault is in looking outside of ourselves for confirmation, looking outside of ourselves for for beauty. I recently I, I spoke briefly to the experience of having the whole color conversation with my daughter and, you know, her friend at school who's white and I had to have the conversation first with um the the lady who runs her school, a brown skinned sister, who when I first came to her with the conversation she was totally defensive about it. You know, she didn't, I could, I could sense that she did not want to have the conversation because I'm telling her, look, I need to sit down with such and such as mama and we need to get to the bottom of this because mm. there's obviously some curiosity going on that as the okay. adults we need to be the ones to sit in the driver's seat That's and right. direct the conversation. I'm not saying That's we don't right. need to have the conversation. Clearly we do. But we we need to be the adults because I'm seeing that the conversation is necessary now. And the woman who mm. runs the school, she was very defensive about it, very, very clearly did not want anything to do with this conversation. And me being me, I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have this conversation, right? And especially talking about my baby. But I, I said, okay, Mickey, back off a little bit, and I left and, and left Dolly at school for the day. When I came back six hours later to pick my daughter up from school, do you know what she mm-hmm. said to me? Her attitude, no. Nicole, was totally, totally different. And she said to me, she said, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I remember going through the same things, and I went through these things with my daughter as well. And my mom didn't stand up for me. When I would Ooh, tell so her, she was mad at her mama that, in that moment. She was mad at her mama, wow. and so she was taking it out on me, yes. right? Yes. 
she said, and, and, she, and then she said, wow. and, and, and it wasn't until I was older, and my best friend is the one that gave me self-esteem about my about mm. my brown skin. And she said, my best friend was a light-skinned girl. And she yeah. was the one that, that talked me up and gave me my self-esteem. And I used to be upset wow. that, I couldn't, that I couldn't get that from my mother. And just Come as on, I had yeah. suspected, when yeah. I left there, because I was like, Mickey, don't get all in your emotions and stuff, because that type yeah, of stuff good, is touchy good. for me. And I had to remind right. myself, Mickey, just, just let it, it. It'll play out. Let it play out. Don't get too emotional. Right. Ooh, and I reminded, and I, and I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I, I bet to a certain extent she's she's taking some of her own issues out on me right now. I'm mean, giving some time to breathe and we'll readdress it. And sure enough, Nicole, because I affirmed that within myself and I wasn't willing to get into the emotions and into the argumentation about it. I was very clear about what I was digging up for the other people involved in the conversation and her attitude. But you were also very clear, but you were also very clear, which, and I love this about you. I, I, I really appreciate your, your willingness and awareness of others, but what you were really doing in that moment is honoring yourself. Yes, and I had to. I had, You're really and that's saying, been, that's I don't been a part want to get of my journey. About this. I don't want to get crazy about this. I want to stay, like, you know, so now part of that is saying, you know what, that's probably her stuff. But that comes after you clearly honor yourself. And then what happens is you start to elicit thoughts that go, you know what, it, that's probably some of her stuff. You know what, I'm just going to breathe on it today, get through the day. We'll check and see how her attitude is. You, you don't have access to those relieveful thoughts until you first choose you. Mm, I am first. And so then the access to those thoughts comes. You know what, it's probably just her stuff. You know what, is it? But you, you, you know, I, I so appreciate how you're always willing to be like, you know, I really think maybe the first, but it's, it's that you can't have those thoughts unless you honor yourself first in the way that you do. So good job. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thank you. So I, 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 give you some credit. I, I was We're like, work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, in my mind, I was like, we're not going to stay on the color thing for too long, but I think the color conversation yeah. is so important and so relevant because in this part day of and age. It's part of what's perceived it, it is, is, absolutely. Especially when you have, like, look at little Kim. Isn't that not the saddest thing? Hmm. I mean, I hmm. love little Kim when she came out. She was little Kim. Like, she set the standard, and now look at her. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> who is that? <laughs> Mike, we all love Mike, but look at Mike struggled with that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't want to look like Joe. I don't want to look like Joe. Anything I could do to not look like Joe and look more like what I what is perceived to be beautiful, and that's just um, like I often think about these girls growing up. Like, I remember me growing up. My perception of plastic surgery was Dolly Parton. That was like the only mm-hmm. example I had because I can't be real, right? And she was funny about it. She was funny about mm-hmm. it. She played the role. And that was like one. Now you have girls growing up with all of these women who have plastic surgery who who are totally skewing what is happening in nature. Like, right. you know what I'm trying to say? Like, 
these girls are looking at women who were not born like that. <laughs> so it's not like it's just in the books and, uh, you know, in the movies. It's every it's in every commercial. Every commercial, no, every television it's, show. It's like, it's just, you know, it's really, really, you know, it's every model. It's every, you know, and it, it, it used to be frowned upon. Like, if you got plastic surgery, you didn't tell nobody. Now, right, right. I mean, just recently we saw Iggy Azalea. She came out, and then she, like, shut her whole thing down for, like, three months and then relaunched her new look. <laughs> like, mm. what? Mm. what? What's going on? I mean, you know, so I, I'm not – and I don't think there's any fault. Like, when you say, you know, the fault is that we're not – I don't think there's any fault. I think it's exactly what the lady said at your school. It's that maybe you didn't get it from your mom. Maybe you didn't get it from those around you. Like, I have small teeth and big gums. So when Nicole smiles, you don't even see my teeth. All you see is gums. <laughs> like, <laughs> and my great-grandmother one day told me, it, we were all laughing and joking, and my great-grandmother, like matriarch, right, looked at me and said, Nicole, you either need to cover your mouth when you smile or you just need to not smile so hard. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like 10 years old. Like, you don't know. You're just smiling and laughing. You don't, like, mm-hmm. at 10 years old, you're learning to, like, oh, okay, I can't smile as big as I mm-hmm. normally do because that's not attractive to those mm-hmm. two sets of eyes. You see? So right. it's like. Right. It sets I don't up the self-consciousness. It does. I mean, it took me a while. I see pictures now where all you see is gums, and I laugh now because that's me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's, uh-huh. I can't hold that in my mind. I'm like feeling right. the color purple. You know what I mean? Like covering my mouth for myself for years. Right. I would look down. Right. I would look away. And then, you know, you get to the place where you're just like, you know what? Hey, I got some little teeth and big gums. What am I going to do? <laughs> And and you can laugh about it, Nicole, and it can be something as simple as, you know, my teeth and my gums. But these are the the same way that somebody taught you to be ashamed of that. People are being taught the Mm -hmm. same thing about their skin color. She tried. And and that is is a fact, Nicole. I see it. I see it. There, there, there is a there is a, a a system of rules and laws that are set up around skin color. If you are dark skin, your skin color dictates that you should be, you know, a little less visible because you already too visible with that dark skin. And and I see well, you know it. How it I see it with family members. When for my daughter watching her, um, we're, we're all the we have the we have a, the entire spectrum, right? Her dad's side is. His, his mother is like my color, but then his sisters are are um, more mahogany brown. Uh, then you come to my side where my aunts are, you know, darker and then my dad. And so when Brooklyn got to school, there was um, a really beautiful dark little girl. And Brooklyn would not play with her, like would not. And I would be like, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, it started as early as the Disney princesses. She she didn't like Tiana. Like, and she gave me a very true kid answer. She didn't give me some yeah. philosophical. Like you said, I love that you said they don't know the politics. They just know color. Yeah. When I said, yeah. how come, what's going on with Tiana? She told me, she said, I, I don't, I don't really like her brown skin or like her color. That's what she said, her brown color. Because my daughter is light, and so she doesn't 
see herself as Tiana like I do, right? Like I see myself in She doesn't see herself in it. So the girl at school, she didn't see herself in this girl. So therefore, it wasn't like I don't want to play with her. She just didn't think to play with her. It didn't occur to her. And then the other thing is, sometimes it's such a contrast, I don't think kids know what to do with that. So I can't imagine what the little girl feels like. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. She had friends. It it was all fine. But sometimes when you're such a contrast and you look out and nobody else looks like you, now you're like the anomaly, right? You're like this thing that's different. And that, I mean, I know as I've gotten older, I know even in high school, um, like what you said, the the girls, you, you, you know, you feel it. I always go out. And I don't want to say out of my way, but I always, like, try to acknowledge, especially if I see girls on BART, if I'm out and about and their hair is beautiful, I always say, oh, I love your hair. Mm-hmm. And I probably do it more so to little brown girls than anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know if that's right or wrong. People could be like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> I find but myself. But what I think you're speaking to, Nicole, I is that. I find myself saying, like, hey, you're beautiful. Like, I want yeah. you to know that I see you. And I, I was in a parade, and I was carrying the banner in this, this year in San Francisco, and I was carrying the banner. And it was interesting because the sister was standing next to me, and he picked me to carry the banner. And this is this was so cool. She said, you know why you got picked, right? <laughs> I mean, we grown. <laughs> and I said, really? You, you going to pull the card on me, sis? And she said, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You got picked. You got right. your hair straight. Right. <laughs> you know, you light skin. That's why you got picked to, to, to do the banner. So now this is, we're 30-something, and we're still saying this yeah. stuff. And yeah. I, I heard her, and I looked at her, and I let her know, I hear you. I hear you. I, I had to leave the space for her because she felt anything right. Like, you got picked because you like, right. Okay, cool. But as I was walking in the parade, I was very clear to make eye contact with beautiful brown girls. Because you're like holding the banner and you're coming and you're in this parade and these little girls are looking at you. So when you make eye contact with them, they get like uber excited. They're like, oh, like, she oh looked at me. She's a symbol of beauty today. You yeah. got it? Like, yeah. I'm all in my outfit and I – Something inside me was so happy. Like, I got tears in my eyes with some of the little girls. I did, you know, I did it to all the girls, but I specifically focused on the little deep brown girls because I wanted them to know I see you. I get that. And get you're that. beautiful. And I, you know, that's my thing is that, like, what is I'm I'm starting with the man in the mirror. We can talk about global yeah. beauty and we but what are we going to do in our daily practice? Like you said about the flowers. That was your thing. That's your practice. Yeah. And that's what you're passing on to your daughter that if this is beautiful to us, then we don't have to wait on somebody to bring us beauty. We can bring beauty. We, you know, we and really that's the flowers are just an extension of how you feel about yourselves. Yep. Right? It's not like, oh, I look at the flowers and now I'm happy. It's I'm happy and, oh, the flowers are in alignment with my happiness. They're an extension of my happiness. They're not something I went and purchased and now I put them on the table and I'm happy. They are an extension of my happiness. And when I look at them, it, it reflects back to me my current state of being. So that's my thing with the plastic surgery. It's kind of scary is that if you're altering stuff like that, when you look in the mirror, what's coming back to you? Because that's not what you, that's not how you started, per se. Mm-hmm. 
So and then you have how to do so we, much money to keep it up, and it because it's it's, it's and not you have to keep it's not natural to keep it up. You have sure. to keep it up. Sure. What I also heard you speaking to though, Nicole, and you know the the whole color issue is is a very sensitive topic in our community because each side has their perception of the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah, a, corners. there's the mm-hmm. right. Different corners, absolutely. So, you know, growing, being light-skinned amongst dark-skinned black people, and, and and that's something I had to say to Dolly recently, you know, she because she brings up the color thing so often, it's very interesting. And and Dolly is, mm. like, right in, kind of in the middle of her father and myself. Her daughter, her, her father is very dark-skinned, and I'm very light-skinned. I even get people mm-hmm. making comments about my daughter should be more light-skinned than she is because I'm so light-skinned. And, mm. you know, so it's, 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 it's a very internal conflict, a very Ooh. internal conflict that we're having. And when I say that there are expectations from each every each side has their expectations of the other side. You know, what people don't realize is that, you know, being light skinned in this society is not as praiseworthy as as society as glamorous exactly as society, you know, has a has a tendency to make it appear to be because our society yeah. can tell you that you are not black enough. You know, Come our on. society can tell us that, and even in being light-skinned, it's like having money, right? You can be wealthy. I remember when I was, I remember being in college, being in one of my poli-sci classes, and the, the professor making the comment that um, at the time to be considered uh, middle class in our society is $200,000 a year or more. Mm-hmm. And she was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, taxation of the wealthy and the middle class. And one of the one of the girls shoots her hand up. She's obviously, you know, middle class, you know, of European descent. I, I try not to say white folks anymore and black folks, um, but she makes a comment. Well, what about people who only make two hundred thousand dollars a year? And me being, you know, you know, dancing somewhere along the poverty line, you know, coming up from the the inner cities, going to a prestigious private university where mostly everybody around me had some sense of affluence, I was absolutely disgusted by what she said. You only make $200,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? But but my point is that even amongst the wealthy, there are the not-so-wealthy. So you can live mm-hmm. in Montclair and have a, a $5 million house, but what about the people who only have a million-dollar house, right? right? So in our in our society and in our community, when we're having this conversation about color, you know, there, there's this, 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 grand gesture about what it means to be light-skinned in our society. But even in being light-skinned, you can be not dark enough. You can be even not light enough, right? Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. be – your hair can be too nappy as a light-skinned person. So people begin mm-hmm. to grade by all of these other different aspects of yourself. How big is your nose? How thin are your lips? Right? Mm-hmm. How how big yeah. is your forehead? Right? And that was one of the things mm-hmm. that I, that that about me as a kid. I still have a big forehead now, and and my partner is always teasing me about my big head. I yeah, I have a big head. So what? <laughs> you know? But in our society, there's really ultimately an expectation to be absolutely perfect. So we find ourselves surprised when we begin to find out that wealthy people are not totally uh-huh. blissful and happy in their lives. 
which is the yeah. same contrast to we find ourselves surprised when light-skinned people are not totally happy and perfect in and of mm-hmm. themselves. So all mm-hmm. of this stuff is such a grand illusion only designed to further mm-hmm. continue to separate us. It is not real, and we have got to stop feeding it. Um, I, 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 Man, I think this part in and of itself I'm, like, blown away with. I'm like, we're going in right now. And and um, I know we're kind of running short on time, so if I may sort of speed us up a little bit um, and, and get on yeah. to some other questions. So we talked about physical beauty and, and that being one of the forms, the three forms of beauty. There's also material beauty, and now we're talking about a level of attractiveness. One of the things that I'm I'm sort of developing this study on what I call the psychology of beauty, right? Because again, you know, there there are different perceptions of what beauty means. There are different perceptions about what it means to be beautiful and how other people perceive you in our society. And what I've come to realize is there's even a difference amongst you know so-called beautiful people or attractive people between people who I, I call it the, the, the ugly duck syndrome, right? People mm-hmm. who for whatever reason were not considered to be beautiful as children or early in life. You know, it's like the dude I me and my sister are always laughing about like, man, some of the a lot of the dudes we went to like high school and earlier form earlier years of school who were really good looking then are like mm-hmm. Not so good looking anymore, and then you got like the guys who were not really good looking in high school or or you know middle mm-hmm. school or whatever who are like gorgeous now, right? So <laughs> right, there's right. even a difference in there between growing up beautiful and becoming mm-hmm. beautiful later in life. That really what I find mm-hmm. amongst amongst in having conversations with some of those people because again, I'm I'm curious. I love. Yeah. You know, digging in and asking people really deep questions. Tell you know, tell me more about this thing, right? But what I find mm-hmm. is that that whole ugly duck syndrome it 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 provides for a level of humility that I think growing up beautiful does not necessarily provide for. And I think that sort of um, dovetails into the whole material beauty thing as well because I've, I've seen it happen as well where, you know, you have guys who aren't necessarily considered to be attractive, but they have money, and all little girls are crazy about them and attracted to them. So we're, we're talking about a level of attractiveness. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out about beauty, and, again, I was looking at it in comparison to, you know, some of my other studies, and especially as it relates to the tree of life. If you look at the tree of life in Kabbalah, beauty relates to the sixth um, Sephiroth, which is um, Tiferes. That that's beauty. And what I what I began to realize in, in looking at it and really just kind of meditating on this perception of beauty is that again, beauty is one of those things. Just like everything that every topic we've talked about in the show, everything has its extremes. And when you look at Tiferes on the the, the tree of life, it sits in the middle of the tree. And we always say. God is in the middle. God is God is not in the God can bring us back through experiences from the extreme, but God exists in the middle. So when we're dealing with beauty from the perspective of God and 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 being and and in the middle, 
we realize that beauty is really ultimately about divine perception because what Tiferous calls us to do is to see beauty in all things, right? When we're talking about, you know, where where was the God in me dropping a glass, right? Mm-hmm. Constantly begging the question and inquiring of the universe, where's the beauty in this? Where's the God mm-hmm. in this? And the mm-hmm. association is ultimately that, it, you know, it, we're talking about, you know, what, where are we, what's our perspective? What, what corner are we dealing from, right? Are we actually sitting in the car having the accident? Are we viewing beauty from the outside? And that's when we start dealing with the extremes. That's when the light skin, dark skin, this versus that starts to come into play. You know, well, more beautiful, we that, less We're beautiful. asking people to see it from our angle instead of, like you said, allowing someone the space to say what you saw. And then drop it. Yeah. But we don't do that. We, you say what you saw, and then we say, but what really happened was, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because I know better than because, you know. <laughs> because I, or, or just we just can't, we just can't accept it. You know what? From your angle, it may look like that. Just like you started the show off, and you said he was really upset. Da, 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 but and I realized how he could see it that way. That's what you said. So you yeah. allowed the space. And when you allow the space, then you can, you know, you're not all warm and fuzzy per se afterwards, but you're definitely not, you know, there's no friction. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to allow the space for somebody to think plastic surgery. I think I heard Janet Jackson once say, somebody asked her, like, would you, would you, what would you advise a young person? Or would you, would you tell a young person group jobs or everything are okay? And I, I remember she said something like, it's up to them. I would never say yes or no because you have to do what makes you feel beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, what happens is we start looking at the reasons why you want to alter something, and that's where we get out of pocket because then we we think we know, but we don't know. I I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why you you feel boobs would make you happier or why, you you know, um, I I, I don't know. (laughs) So, you know. It's and it's kind of like a, I don't know if you've ever heard that song. It's on the Robert Robert Glassbar has a black music radio and it's with Music Soul Child and Christette Michelle. And he starts off the song and he says, "I think beauty's overrated because that's something anyone could be. Now attraction, now that's something different. And thankfully, you're both to me." Mm. It's a beautiful song. Mm. It's a beautiful song because wow. it's like because I've learned in this life that you've got to be with someone you like. And, and I'm on the phone with you. You know that, right? I'm, I'm sitting in the lobby, and do you know a man across the way just opened up the blinds, and do you know he was stark naked? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm right here, Nikki. I'm right here. The man just across the street opened up the blinds, and the man was stark naked. Now, you talk about – now, what is – you talk about what we – we talk about beauty, right? And he just walked back again. Oh my God! I just saw his bum. Oh my lord! Oh my goodness! This is awkward, but weird and funny. And you know what? It's beautiful. Right. It's beautiful. Right. And and our I mean, true self. Oh. Oh my gosh. He was. Oh my, he I was. I can't believe that. In all his glory. I can't unsee. <laughs> I cannot unsee what I just saw. He has to be like sixty, sixty-eight years old. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
like white as Casper the Ghost. Oh my! I saw everything. Oh my gosh! Okay. Oh my goodness! I feel horrible for you. <laughs> you know. So um. So so back to our questions. You know. So so we're talking about beauty, and and one of the questions is, you know, uh, we so we we've we've covered, I think, what beauty actually is. But now the question is, why is beauty so valuable? Um, and in my in my research and my studies and, you know, as I'm I'm doing, you know, my thing, um, one of the things I realized is that beauty is a form of currency, right? So mm-hmm. we it sells products. We learn yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We learn that through beautiful being beautiful, I can yeah. Get services, things, you know, get people to do as I would like for them to do, right? So this becomes what I call the the psychology of beauty. And Mm. this going back to, you know, what I was saying earlier about, you know, the the ugly duckling syndrome, growing up beautiful versus becoming beautiful later in life and, you know, allowing the – and providing for a sense of humility. Now, I'm not saying that people who grow up beautiful are not humble or or don't have a sense of humility. I'll speak for myself personally and Well, what do you mean when you say humility? That's a strong word. What do you – so let's clarify what you mean by all right, you're going to make – okay. Yeah, okay. Because, I'll put myself a little because, on plan you know, today, it, right? It, may, it means different things to different people. So what, is, sure, what do you sure. mean by humility? What I had to learn personally from, you know, growing up and, and, and being told on a regular basis how cute I was or how pretty I was or how beautiful mm-hmm. I was, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's, I, it, it reminds me of a Coldplay song, Lost. I love that song. Um, you might be a big fish in a little pond, but it doesn't mean you've won because there only come a bigger one. That's what I'm talking about with the humility. Growing up mm-hmm. and being constantly fed this diet of how beautiful you are sets mm-hmm. up this very false sense of reality because it tells you that, oh, you know, people will, you know, fall at your beck and call and, you know, people want to do whatever it is that you want them to do simply because you look a certain way. And and, and beauty Mm -hmm. can teach you that. That's the extreme of beauty. One of the things that I know was necessary in my growth and development was having my heart broken. I had to learn, first of all, that there are other beautiful women in the world. I had to learn that, People will not always do things for you simply because you are beautiful. That is, if it's only that I learned the true true meaning of the statement that beauty is only skin deep. People, while while some people are caught on the the very mundane physical level of beauty, there are other people in the world who are looking for a sense of of depth and and moreness. You know, muchness. I love um, Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter talks about, you know, you've lost your muchness. You know, but people are, mm-hmm. there are people in the world looking for a sense of muchness. So I had to learn that my value did not only exist in the way that I looked. Mm-hmm. And especially with the rise of social media, man, social media did some things to my self-esteem that were very humbling for me. Because I I learned that, and especially now in in the age of what I call the greatest makeup technology we the world has ever seen, right? 
not only mm-hmm. are we we talking about uh, plastic surgery, but the things that people can do now with makeup are absolutely that incredible. That contouring is something. This, we did not see this in the 80s and 90s. This contouring mm-hmm. and the things that they are able to do with paintbrushes is absolutely yes. incredible. And I'm seeing the yeah. news talking about it on social media where they're saying everybody looks like this in the 21st century. So right. so the, the 21st century is a time that is saying, beauty, Mm-mm, that ain't nothing. What else you got? You got to come with it in the 21st century to, to prove your stuff, to prove your worth in the 21st century, because anybody can be beautiful now. So now, yeah, we're, really learning, mm-hmm. now we're really learning that beauty is only skin deep. It's not worth all of this fuss that we thought, that we thought mm-hmm. it was about 20 years ago, right? So now, yeah. the, it, 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 to a certain extent, law, lines are being drawn in the sand, right? Because because now you have to to prove that you have some other talent than being aesthetically pleasing to somebody else. That's that's you can you can't have that. You can't possess that anymore in our society because anybody can possess that. So things like having my heart broken were very necessary for me because it, it taught me that. You 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 gotta you gotta bring more to the table. I genuinely used to think that being cute and being able to cook was all I needed to bring to the table in talking about relationships. I quickly learned at 26 years old that no, it's a little bit more to it than just that. But again, beauty has a way of setting up these very poor expectations for because yeah, people people and and when I say beauty is a form of currency, let let me be clear what I mean by that, right? We have Mm -hmm. in our society, we have a tendency to trust people more depending on whether or not they're well dressed. So being well dressed is a form of beauty. Right, we have a tendency to 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 extend credit financially to people based on the way that they look and present themselves financially mm-hmm. on paper, but as well as the way mm-hmm. that they walk into the banker's office ready for that meeting. Because if you come in looking like a bum, they probably gonna treat you like a bum. So there are mm-hmm. certain there's a there's a there's a language that currency uh, or, or or form of currency that beauty has. We we mm-hmm. you know if 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 you had to you know leave your bike outside and you just needed to run back into the grocery store and you need and you didn't have the lock you needed somebody to stand outside and watch your bike for you most people are first going to pick the people the person that is you know well manicured look like they got a job because that translates to me that they don't need my bike they don't need to run off with it I'm gonna trust that person with my bike to watch my bike while I run into the gotcha. grocery store before gotcha. I trust. Somebody who got dirt under their fingernails hasn't had a fresh shave in a long time. Okay. Right, 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 right. So yeah. if that's the form of currency, we we ex, we extend a level of trust to people depending on the way that they look. We we mm-hmm. we believe that people are happier based on the way that they look. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean when I say that beauty is a form of currency. You know, mm. we. Even in, and you know, I, I heard somebody speaking to. It, it's very incredible, I, and I don't want to get too far in this, but I have been reading Octavia Butler's book, um, K 
Kendrick, and it's it's about slavery. Don't get me started on why I read the book, knowing damn well I didn't need to be reading no no literature about slavery. I'll do that in a totally different post. But what the book reminded me of is this idea that's been set up in our society around colorism, around racism, and how our our prejudices can be self-inflicted and self-perpetuated. In our society, mm-hmm. we tend to believe that people of European descent are more trustworthy than people who look like us, which becomes very interesting when you look at the history and I'm not saying all people of European descent, but when you look on a general level at the history of people of European descent, no people of color should trust these people based on their history across the planet of 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 colon, colonization, slavery. Mm-hmm. However, we still in 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 some conflicted psychology that we have, we still believe that these people are more trustworthy than people that look like us. So again, talking well, I, about... I, yeah. I think the beauty, too, I just want to add to that, is that, like you said, you know, somebody who looks more trustworthy, somebody who, you know, I mean, you know, all that, what, what, what I hear you saying is just we've really gotten away from even trusting our guts and instincts. Because I'm going to tell you right now... Yes. At this age in the game, I don't look at color anymore. I don't look for somebody who looks like me. I go off my antennas now. I go mm. off my gut, my feeling, because I've done the work, and I don't think you can get there until you do the delete program, right? You have to, like, and that's what yes. you're talking about. There's a big mm-hmm. program in there about European descent and, and looking more like and da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, I'm probably jumping to the solution. That's where I'm at, um, and we'll get back to that. But I, can, I think I'm just hearing that a lot of times we're trained out of our natural, and, you know, we both have daughters who are in that phase where, you know, if your daughter is noticing it, that is her instinct showing up. And how do we help her honor her instinct? How do we help her honor that, you know, I just noticed this or, you know, versus filling it with rhetoric, I don't want to fill it with the slavery rhetoric. I don't want to fill it with, well, the reason why this happened is because da-da-da-da-da, and then so now we have this history of this, da 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 I don't ever want to fill it, her with that, like, ever. I want it to be more about how did it feel? What did it feel like? Well, it didn't feel good to me. Well, how do, you, how do I help her honor that that didn't feel good to her? Instead of filling her with rhetoric and words and how to, do you know what? I guess I'm going a little out there, but that's what I wish no. somebody would have did for me. I wish somebody yeah. would have just been like, you know, instead of feeling me with, well, they just don't like you because you light skin. Why? Well, I wish you never would have told me that. Why right. don't you just go with, hey, right. Nicole, if it didn't feel good, stay away from her. Boom. Right. Absolutely. If it didn't feel good, stay and, away and, and from I, her. I totally agree. I, I totally agree with you, Nicole. And, and, instead and you're of, right. you know, how we and, get and this into is... this thing and then we, per, we, per, we keep, that if we keep telling the same story, then, then it, how does it ever go away? We perpetuate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm there with you, Nicole. I, I found myself in the same conversation um, with a friend earlier this week just, just talking about, and my, my friend was so surprised because he was like, you know, I, I've noticed that whenever I talk to you, you know, you don't really, you're not like really into the race thing anymore like you used to be. And I'm totally, I'm, I'm not, you know, 
one is we're talking about archetypes, we're talking about um, levels of consciousness. And as I admitted before, I am a recovering poor righteous teacher. And so I can mm-hmm. I can relate to being in the space, but but I, uh, the poor righteous teacher is absolutely necessary and needed. When you come from a space of total defeat, based on your surroundings and your environment, based on um, it being perpetuated through traditions and 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 stories and 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 belief systems mm-hmm. that are upheld through the family, the poor righteous teacher is absolutely necessary because the poor righteous teacher mm-hmm. teaches us that. There is 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 glory. There is honor. There is value in our experience as so-called black people in America. Mm-hmm. It, it teaches us the 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 value, the knowing. It, it doesn't teach us the knowing. It teaches us the value and the understanding of the fact that we have a greater history that 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 precedes slavery, right? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the very defeated, when we're in that very defeated space, all we know is our, our it, from that perspective, our history started with slavery, right? But the poor righteous yeah. teacher is the one who learns that, no, we, yeah. we were we were a great people before that. We were somebody yeah. before that. Unfortunately, the, the, the pitfall of the, of the poor righteous teacher, if we get stuck in the poor righteous teacher, is that we begin to take on many of the characteristics of um, white supremacy, and we flip it. We become reverse racist, right? We 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 now want to say that people, all people of European descent are degenerate. They, you know, whatever the rhetoric is around that, that's the pitfall around getting stuck in the poor righteous teacher. But when we move on and we elevate and we 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 enlighten and we go on to the next phase. We realize that hmm, this whole color thing is another illusion. It's another veil to be lifted because the reality of it is that I heard um, Sister Myra Moss say it before. She said, all black folks ain't royal. And after when I heard her say that a couple years ago, it finally began to occur to me, well, if that's true, right, and what she was saying in mm-hmm. this idea that not all black folks are royal, we got to remember mm-hmm. that, and I, I was reading about it in the story Kindred, our ability to remain slaves, right, because then you have to start asking the question, like, why didn't we just start committing suicide if it was that bad, right? We actually mm-hmm. adopted practices and belief systems that help to maintain the system itself. So you had the slaves who, just so they could go get a biscuit or a reward from master, would go and tell master, oh, such and such trying to slip away in the middle of the night. They plan in a revolt, right? That's an example mm-hmm. of the fact that not all black folks is royal. So if that's true, we also, it, it would then follow that, all people of European descent can't be evil either because now we got to remember that there was a war fought between what we call the North and the Confederate that said we're willing to put our lives on the line so that these laws will be overturned to say that these these people – need to be liberated, to, at, at least to some degree or to some extent. And there's a lot of argumentation around why that was done, politics was involved, this, that, or the other. But 
for for the sake of 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 the greater consciousness we we got to be willing to give god some marks on the scoreboard right when when i hear people with this rhetoric that you know everything is a damn conspiracy everything is oh you bet not go start up no group or you bet not try and do nothing positive cuz they going to come shut you down all of those things are really rhetoric to support the idea that God is not as powerful as we claim God to be. We we start giving other people the power outside of ourselves. And for me, what that has to do with, with this conversation about beauty is that we've got to get back to this this inner self-conviction, this self-confidence. That says, again, beauty, liberation. And what do we call beauty when we're looking at it from the spiritual perspective? Beauty is is all good things. Beauty is liberation. Beauty is, is divine perception. Beauty is love. Beauty is abundance. Beauty is all of these pos- positive things. And these things exist in the eye, as Nicole Sill said, the self of the beholder, and when we wait for other people to divide to find these things for us, that's when we lose. Cause you turn on, it's that easy, and 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 you hear a story that you don't that you don't want to hear because it 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 is you getting licked by the stone somebody threw into the crowd, right? But the only one that's gonna scream is the one who's guilty. So, again, it, all of these things point back to self. Beauty is in the eye, in the self of the beholder. So when I thought and about you said it earlier, yeah. Yeah, so what that, and that's what I really like about this, about this conversation. I realize that we're, we're talking about divine perception, and the question is, do we have the ability to see the beauty in all things, in all Come experiences? On. Come Not on. just the will contoured or the long hair <laughs> or Bring the light on. skin, right? Well, when we begin yeah. to set up these various different parameters and, and, and subscribe to the parameters that society sets, we find ourselves defeated because we can never live up to these per- these, these standards of perfection. And, and and the standards get more and more rigorous, I would say, every year, Right. We gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta have perfect bodies. We gotta be absolutely mm-hmm. flawlessly beautiful. We gotta, we gotta, gotta have now. it all together. <laughs> we gotta have money in the bank. We gotta be spiritual. We gotta be so many things in this yeah. society. Let society tell the story. But I think the question is really, what's beautiful to you? What makes you smile? What yeah. makes you happy? And are are you willing to give it to yourself first? Because I, like I said earlier in the show, when we are willing to honor ourselves, we give others permission to do the same thing. I am first. I am the original cause and not the other way around. Ooh. Ooh. That was, that was good. I, that was good stuff. <laughs> I'm not stepping on that. <laughs> I am not singing over that. That was a great. That was a great flow. I'm not singing over that. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope, you ain't Thank gonna get me you. to do it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna be quiet. Thank you. So, 
so all I'm all I'm trying to point to is that you know again I want to I want to bring it back to this tree of life because man this tree of life is is beautiful you know and 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 again beauty is 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 Tiferet, which is the sixth um, um, Sephiroth on the tree of life and the Sephiroth are just just the just the spaces of existence and each of these spaces is is connected to other spaces or positions on the tree by various different paths and and what i found myself saying was oh so the tree of the tree or existence or consciousness is really asking us one question right and i saw that um um Tiferous or beauty is connected right beneath it. Um, that Sephiroth is called Yasad, which is the foundation or your ego identity. And I said to myself, oh, this is the one that's asking the question of who you rolling with. We talked about it a few shows ago. We asked the question, who you rolling with? Are you rolling with God or are you rolling with ego? And based on what your foundation is, your Yasad, right, Based on what that is, that is going to define for us what beauty ultimately is. Do we perceive beauty to be outside, or we do we perceive to be beauty inside? And, mm-hmm. and when we can, when we can, when we perceive beauty from the inside, and when we have the ability to observe beauty in every experience, observe God in dropping a glass on the floor. When we have the ability to do that, that's when we're in a space of power because we're the ones who hold the ability to define and not allowing others the ability to define beauty for us. Mm-hmm. And I I think about my three-year-old in that, and, and, and that's something I'm inspired to do as I conversate with Nicole and we do this show. I'm realizing that it's not my job to, and, and that was one of the things that came up with her in the whole color conversation, Nikki, be very careful not to project your own awareness, experiences about the color conversation onto your daughter. Be very mm-hmm. careful. And I think Nicole was speaking to a little, little earlier in, in her talking about being at the parade and, and I and the, the brown-skinned girls. There's a recognition that, our brown-skinned sisters do need a little bit mm-hmm. more encouragement. We we got enough as the light-skinned girls. Society gave us enough of that. Trust me. <laughs> I can speak mm-hmm. to it from experience, right? Mm-hmm. We recognize that. And so, and so what we're saying is that empower, we empower ourselves when we allow ourselves to define beauty for and of ourselves. And that's something, and, and again, and, and me realizing it's not my job to project onto my daughter, oh, you're going to have a difficult time in life because you're a little bit darker than a brown paper bag, right? Mm-hmm. I can't project that onto her. I can simply model and demonstrate for her how it is that she can exist. To love yourself. To love yourself, um, you can do is show her herself. what it looks like to love yourself. Because if she sees mommy loving herself, if she sees mommy yes. not getting breath, she won't know to do it. How will she know to do yes. it? Yep. You don't do it. You you know, I get up in the morning and my hair is curly, and I had it. I had to get a haircut, so I had a flat iron it. And she said, "Mom, I just love when your hair is smooth. You should wear it like that all the time." I said, "Nope." <laughs> No. And she's like, but why? It's so smooth. Don't you like it like that? I said, hey, I love my hair. 
anywhere. I could wear a smooth. I could wear a curly. It doesn't. But there's no one way that's better. I try to tell her this better, this concept of better, it doesn't exist. There's only what I like right now. It's only what you like right now. And, and sure. There's no better. And even there's if no better. she doesn't agree with you in that very moment, that's a seed it's, that you plant in her. You got it. That you when she gets it. older, she's going to be like, oh, that's what mom was teaching me. She was exactly. teaching me to define it for myself, not based on Elsa's hair is straight. So that's got to be beautiful, right? Yeah, and that's, that's something where we're I, getting I'm constantly having. Sure. I'm constantly having to remind myself of that. Is like, Nikki, you're not here to define these things for her, even if they seem like the greater good to you. All you can do is set the example, be the demonstration for her, so that when she looks back on her memory bank later in life and she begins to learn that, you know, because she's still a kid and, you know, she thinks, you know, she's supposed to like what her friends like. And that's a phase Mm -hmm. that she's going through. But make sure that you demonstrate the experiences that she'll be able to to link back to later in life and say, no, mom wasn't concerned with what everybody else said. Mom defined beauty. Of and for herself That's Come it on. That's it And and I know how scary it can be in our Especially now in our society Where children are swapping Ideas through the form Of social media at Extremely great rates Right? Mm-hmm. Social media is, is, is scary Technology is scary because it, it is giving our children Access to such greater amounts of information and therefore influence that it's like, man, it's it's gonna it's gonna be hard for me to keep a cap on that. It's gonna be hard for me to control it. And what I'm learning is, it, it's not, it's I, I can't control it. I can't put a cap on it. I can't stop it. I can't prevent how much information she's gonna come into contact with. Because guess what? She's still gonna go to school. She's gonna have friends, and they're gonna influence her. But all I can do is to teach her a solid foundation and to demonstrate for her what side you rolling on are you rolling with the outside are you rolling with the the inside the being the quiet voice the that that middle road that that ultimately is god that's it as long as we rolling with god <laughs> any any situation any experience that confronts us we we're going to be victorious as long as we operate from from God and not from the outside, that's it. That's, it's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> I mean, and, I, and, and, and you easy. know, I, I, we're both you know different. So you know, you're, when you say God, I, of course we have these talks. I know what that is. That's not a word. That's not a thing we have broached for me, for for me with 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 group, right? So it's more like family, and we have a bit, you know, my dad, my dad is my dad, big papa, and we joke like, you know, like, uh, what what what's going on here? Do you, like I can hear his voice, but we joke about all the time that, you know, we have to know who we are because. We have to. Sometimes you have to look at something to know who you are, right? When I had my daughter, I did. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then I got once I had a kid, I was like, Dad, Dad. I was going over there like every weekend, <laughs> and that <laughs> has helped me see who we are. And 
my dad doesn't say, look, this is who you are, who I am. No, it's not, it's, it's who we are ancestrally as a, as a great energy, light beings. You know what I mean? Not get out of what you learn in school and get out of some of those books, you know, because you have to start tapping into instinct and kids come with instinct. But what happens is if, when we start to encroach on their space with definitions and rhetoric and, well, let me tell you what that is. And when we start doing that, then, then we take away their space to, figure, to, to just explore. And that's what I'm always mindful of, of Nicole. You don't get to, you know, I know what it's like to have people encroach on their space. I, I went through that. I mean, for years, until I was like, you know, 20-something, an adult in my space telling me who Nicole was, what it was going to be for Nicole, and I didn't like any of it. And so I spent my first, you know, I just got in my 30s where I have – I'm not, I was a people pleaser. I'm a social worker, for God's sakes. I'm all about, oh, you have a problem? What can Nicole do on the outside of you to fix you on the inside? It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm just now getting to the place where I can say I like that. I love photography. I don't need to tell anybody why or, or justify. I, this is something in it. It's, 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 my, it's, it's like eating a piece of pie where you're like, yo, this is my thing right here. This, this, this right here, this is me. And the more <laughs> you can start to say that, the more you can start to say that, stick with that. Like my dad teased me, you're mixed. That's your hair. Roll with that. <laughs> you know, you know, what is, the, what is this annou- announcement with your hair? What are you doing? But, you know, hey, <laughs> hair is like a whole different get down for us women. You know, but it's funny because one day I was doing my hair in the mirror just like three weeks ago, and it was really taking some time. I had to wet it and do this and do that, and I stopped, and I said, you know what, hair, I'm so sorry. I am acting like you're a chore, and I love you. I love you, hair, and I started playing good music. I had fun. Do you know that day everywhere I went, people were like, I love your hair. Two little black girls, beautiful little girls. They came up to you, teenagers, like 12 and 14. They were like, oh, my God, we love your hair. And their hair was pressed. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was straight. They were like, we love your hair. Went to the checkout at Whole Foods. And this young, young kid was like, dude, I totally love your hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. It wasn't my hair. It was the moment I shifted my energy. It was the moment I said, you're not a chore. You're not something I have to manage. You're not something I have to wrangle. You are me. You're an extension of me. So once I did that, it's like my hair took on this energy, and then everybody who I ran into, was, it wasn't my physical hair. It was the energy of my hair. And that's what I want. Like beauty and attraction, it's totally different. Like you said, this beauty, this cosmetology, this, this, the, the YouTube videos, how to contour, that can be manufactured. But attraction is too like vibrations coming together so when those people were saying i like your hair it wasn't my hair it was it was they were also people who looked at themselves and said i like me and that's what they were relating to it wasn't my physical hair it was the moment i took the attitude of this isn't a chore i love my hair let's let's rock it out i mean that's what everybody loves about like a rock star rock stars are people who are like f you this is me. Everybody wants to be a rock star because the rock star doesn't care what you think. The rock star is like spitting on the cr- critic in the common. I don't care. I made this music for me. I don't care if you like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so on some level, 
your the beauty thing, like you said, I love everything that you said. It's currency, and we start to learn. Like with my daughter, I am aware. I am aware that when we go out and people say, "Oh, she's so pretty," what comes with it is, and here's some candy. And what comes with it is, oh, do you need anything? Uh-huh. And so I don't know if she's equated it to this is how I look or I'm a kid because, you know, she's a kid. But as she gets older, I totally agree with you. And how do I – how do we keep it cute and not too cute? Because too cute is when you get into, like, I'm going to go in here and just smile at this dude and get what I need. That's right. too cute. Right. Cute can be a problem. <laughs> too, too cute is when you start manipulating and then you forget that your essence is really the beauty. And I always tell my daughter, every time we go somewhere and someone says she's pretty, later I'll go, do you know why she said you were pretty? And now she's she's there. She says, because my heart is pretty. I say, yeah. Because if you're not pretty on the inside boop, nobody will ever see you're pretty on that. So it's funny now. When she starts to cry and stuff like that, I'm like, ooh, that's not cute. And she tells me, I don't, I'm not thinking about being cute right now. And I'm like, good, okay. Good, because it's not <laughs> You you can't base that on being because you can't be too cute for mom is it will get you messed up when you come in that room with that little smile and batting your eyes, girl. Please, you better go somewhere. <laughs> I ain't having it. You better go somewhere. You well, know, I'm not here. You know, so it's yeah. it's the, but I always try to just impress upon her like it's what's inside boop. What what is on the inside will come out on the outside. So when people say you're pretty, you know why? Of course you're beautiful. You're a kid. You don't have any worries. I don't tell her this, but this is my thing. All <laughs> children are beautiful. But children, like you said, in the hood, and you know, let me tell you something. They don't, go, they don't have no stress, no worries. Of course they're beautiful. That's the energy we all want. But I have an appreciation because I joke about the two of nine. My daughter's father is from Stockton, and I live there, and I joke about it because it's hood. Right? Everybody, ooh, Stockton, oh, that's hood. But you know what? I have such an appreciation for some of the people I have met who are quote unquote hood because there are the beauty in them is that they will look at you and they will tell you, you don't get to say who I am. Hmm. And I really have learned to appreciate that. So when I see a sister who throws me some kind of attitude, I laugh inside because I feel her. On some level, she's like, you know. You don't define me, and me standing next to you doesn't make me any less than you. Now, she might come a little harder, but that's that other right. stuff. But I, the essence, I still think it's beautiful, and what's beautiful is that she is something in her nose. She is not less than. Something in her nose. I am no less than because I'm darker or because I'm in the hood or because I didn't graduate from high school. So I, I, I have learned to appreciate a hood sister <laughs> like <Yeah>. real dog. <laughs> And that's what Absolutely. I like about you. Like, I know your inner peace, but when we first met, I felt your energy. I was like, cool, this is going to be great. <laughs> this is going to be great. Because there's something you know what? in her. And, and my, she my ain't parents, trying to play nice. Yeah. And, but you know and what? And I was all about being nice. I got to be nice. I got to be nice. I got to be nice. No, I ain't trying to be nice. I ain't trying to be nice. F you. I love it. Because all my life, be nice. Be nice, be nice, be nice. Let's be nice about yeah. this. Can we be nice about this? And I, the hood sisters would just intimidate me to to, just to, to to no degree. And then I got older and I said, you know what? I appreciate. So now when I see a sister, hey, Ma, how you doing? They look at me like, Where's, who she thinks she is? You know, that don't even yeah. sound like coming from you. But I have an appreciation because where you're at, you've got to be that. 
Because yeah. this whole world is going to tell you you ain't nothing. So the fact that you are standing up loud, vocal, in somebody's face, that's beautiful to Nicole. Wow, I appreciate you saying that, Nicole. Because and 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 I'm I'm a water sign, so I'm I'm very much influenced by the people that I'm around, and and that's something that I realize I've I've really gained from doing this show with you. Um, at the same time, in going into doing this show, one of the challenges, Noble challenged me to stop cursing. And he was like, "You gotta, you gotta stop. Just stop cursing. Something's gonna come out of it, Nick." And the the light came. I got the light from that lesson this week, and I'm combining it with, you know, the experience of doing this show, the experience of meeting you, me being a water sign and being influenced by people. I'm thinking about the conversation that you and I had, and you saying, you know, the the, the show is so girly, and I love that because it doesn't feel, you know, and it, it's authentic. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. men having a conversation trying to win, you know, some mm-hmm. conversation with each other. And I was like, wow, that part of that influence is from Nicole for sure. You you influenced me to 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 just tap deeper into my peace. Um, like I said, you know, mm-hmm. um, Ice and I, who was one of the co-hosts, he co-hosted with us um, on the second show. Um, he said that to me. He was like, that sister you rolling with is love. Make sure you keep easy. Um, he's, I'm going to be transparent. He said, keep fucking with her. <laughs> you know, keep rolling with her because there's a synergy between the two of you that's, that's very important. And I realized in thinking about all of those things is that what came out of me, I, I became very much more conscious about my conversation, how I conversate, how I deliver my speech, and the cussing, right? And one of the things I mm-hmm. said to Noble when he first challenged me to that, I was like, I like cussing. It tastes good. I like I like how it feels coming out of my mouth. But one of the things that occurred to me as I've been, I, I'm not going to say I've completely stopped cursing because I have not, but I've very much mm-hmm. become more conscious of it. But what I realized was that that, the cursing is a representation of that hood in me. That's that's a part of me that is very real, that will will go with me and has taught me some things in my life that I am forever grateful for. But at the same time, yeah. what I realized was the extreme of that is yes. the the barrier that it has a tendency right. to create, the the toughness, right. the hardness that it has a tendency to create. And what I realized, what came out of it for me was, you know, Noble wasn't telling you to stop cussing so that you could stop being yourself or stop identifying with a certain part of yourself, but just to reveal a message. And what I and, and what it really revealed for me was again existing in the middle somewhere along in in the balance right not obsessing myself with whatever perceived need i may have around needing to be tough needing to be hard based on where mm-hmm. i grew up on the way mm-hmm. that i look right because where i grew up taught me that i needed a certain wall around myself based on mm-hmm. the way that i look and it's really landed for me just a further deepened ability to be more authentic and more myself, like, and just being totally comfortable in that. Like, I can be Nikki from West Oakland, and I don't have to be the extreme of that. Within that, I can Mm -hmm. also be, and I feel comfortable now 
and being soft and being vulnerable and and being able to hear somebody tell me about myself or hear somebody, and I was thinking about that with you because sometimes you and I disagree on the show, but it doesn't come out as, no, you wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It comes out as, mm-hmm. oh, I hear what you're saying, but for me, this is how that looks. And right. my ability to step back and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. And we don't have to go in circles, me trying to, you know, make you see that I'm right and you trying to make me see that I'm right, that Four you're corners. right. It's none of that. There is a total comfort in Coley Cole can be Coley Cole, Nikki Nick can be Nikki Nick, and there yeah. can still exist a synergy and a, an agreement and a beauty in what it is that they're doing because they're sharing perspectives and the, the perspectives and the differences in those perspectives don't necessarily have to conflict with each other. They can coincide no. and exist peacefully side by side. So we can get a picture. And that's so cool. if you tell me what you saw on the south corner, I tell you what I saw on the north corner. Someone tells us the east, the west, and the person in the car tells us what happened. Now we have a, a full picture. Nobody has to be wrong. Nobody has to say what I say is what it is. It's just, okay, you saw it from this angle, and that's your, that's your advantage. I think there's an old saying about a water bowl and everybody sitting on the side of the, you know, like in front and back on left and right. If everybody shares what they see that's in front of them, it then rises up and we all see the story. But if I only tell you, well, my side of the bowl has this, Nikki, in your life, but my, my, I don't have that picture, Nicole. My picture over here, if we say right, wrong, you know, then how can we see how the pot, it's one pot. It's all, many pictures on one pot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, it's one pot. So what do you see on your side? Oh, that's what you see? Okay. Oh, I grew up in Manteca. This is what I saw. And, and I think it's all about allowing space. I think when you allow each other space, you know, you, we bloom together, right? You come into bloom about certain topics, and I see you, and I see you opening up, and I just step back like, yeah, she's opening up. Let's go. Because <laughs> I get excited. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. I can feel it. And I'm like, oh, she's opening up. It's like the sun comes out, and you start opening up, and you're like, okay, we going there? We going there? I'm going. And right. it's exciting for me cause, because let's be honest, like, I don't know if people know, we literally did not know each other before these intimate conversations we're having with right. each other. Right. <laughs> we did not grow up knowing each other. Like, we're putting it all on the line with each other. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I have such an appreciation. And um, like I said, what I, one of the biggest things I love about you is you're always saying, well, I can see it from that perspective. I can see how they saw it that way. And that's just, that's, that's beautiful to me. And I had to grow there. I really had to grow into that space, Nicole, because there was a time I can think about where any sense of, you know, you know, conflict or disagreement, to me, that automatically automatically meant, you know, those are fighting words. We've got to fight now. Somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. And it, it was, it was yeah. really a sense of growth that really got, to, got, got me to that place. I want to share a quick quote that I was reminded of. It's, it's always been one of my favorites, and it's very popular. I'm sure people are going to be familiar with it, but I was reminded of it when, you were talking about, you know, your hair and, and not fighting with your hair. And then when you gave power to your hair and you, you honored your hair, then everybody was complimenting complimenting you on your hair that day. And it's a, a, a Marianne Williamson quote, very popular. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. 
we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, right? And this is what we've been talking about in this beauty thing because sometimes beauty Mm -hmm. does pose that question. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure about you. We are all meant to shine as children do. Coley Cole talked about that. We were born to manifest the glory of God that is within all of us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I think that speaks volumes to today's topic. Mm. I think it speaks volumes to the question that we pose. How do we how do I teach this to my daughter? And and that last line I think is totally it. As we are liberated from our own fear, like I said, I had to remember not to, you know, pass on my perceptions about skin color to my daughter and to simply mm-hmm. teach her to be present in her own skin comfortable in her own skin and what anybody else has to say about it is not it doesn't matter one of the things i told mm-hmm. her if somebody comes with some mess about don't stand in the sun too long your skin getting too dark any of it because we've had conversations like this inside of the family i simply told her mm-hmm. don't get upset about it you just simply now know that that person is no longer qualified to have a conversation with you about that until they grow out of that particular space so, again, as we're liberated from our own fear, mama got to be liberated from her fear so that she can, she can demonstrate that freedom yes. to the babies. Our presence, automatically, our presence automatically liberates others. So, yes. so as Nicole said it last week. She, she says it every week. All signs point back to the self. Where are you within your own self-identity? Where are you within yourself? How do you connect to yourself? Because that is the catalyst for how the world sees you and how the world responds to you. That's my takeaway from today. Oof. <laughs> I, I, you look at me like I'm going to go behind that. No, 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 nope, nope. I'm only with Nikki Nick today. That's what it is. So we didn't just did another two-hour show today, and I was sharing before. I, I don't know if you heard me um, before you got on the line, Coley Cole, but I was sharing that next week is our last show for the season before we yeah. take a break. Um, yeah. And so it's, we eight shows in. Next week will be our ninth show and final show for season one of this. It's that easy. And I just want to take an opportunity to thank everybody who's been listening in, whether it's live, whether you get me in after, afterwards on the archives, and whatever yes, way you're supposed yes. to be giving us feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, we'll see you all. And hear from y'all next week, family. Peace. Peace.